Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Oh, man. Manoj, tell me uh, about you personally. I want to know family, mom, dad, siblings, where you grew up. Give us, give us some early life stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, happy to happy to share. Uh, classic classic immigrant story. Um, I okay. was born in uh, a coastal town of Chennai. Uh, it's in South India. Um, I spent the first eighteen years of my life in, in Chennai, and uh, wow. uh, later uh, followed my parents, who uh, uh, worked quite hard to move my sister. I have a younger sister, and and, and I out of India uh, to go to school here. Uh, in the U.S., uh, partly because they wanted to, you know, give us the best opportunities they possibly could give uh, when it came to when it came to education, when it came to uh, I see I see opportunities, and so um, you know, standing on those many sacrifices that they have made in the past and continue to make in the future. Uh, and so that's uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, uh, let me let me ask real quick now. So high school. So you finished high school in India. Did you learn English growing up? Was it were you were you uh, taught English as well? Did you speak? We did. English? We did. Yeah. Okay, okay. We did. Most most of uh, uh, mo most of Indian education, at least in, in the larger cities, uh, it continues to be uh, okay. Uh, continues to be driven with English as the primary language, uh, and then you know, obviously you'll learn other dialects, whether it's formally through school or you know you speak speak other languages at home. Okay. When you when your parents said, "Hey, we're going to move to the U.S. so you can go to college there." Were you happy about that? Were you thrilled? Were you pissed off because you were getting taken away from your friends? How, how did it oh, feel? Absolutely not. I mean, to me, it was it was something new. To me, it was access okay. to All right. opportunities. And um, you know, back back in two thousand and 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 eight, um, two thousand six, actually, when I started um, college, there were I, I still had friends in India that were going um, through college back there in India, okay. and a lot of them had aspirations to you know, get an advanced degree, whether it's in India, outside of India, and folks were looking for, you know, where can I best learn or where can I best I showcase see. skills right. that I want in order to, you know, give myself access to the most opportunities possible. Okay, so you were happy about that. And uh, your sister, was she older or younger than you? Younger sister. She's about four years younger to me. Uh, well, so she, so when they moved, she was still in high school. She was still in high school, which, you know, is a tricky time to move, man. It's, yes, uh, yes, yes. Did she transition as smoothly as you or a little bumpier for her? I would, I would, I would assume that it's a little bumpy. I mean, she's been quite, quite the trooper and, uh, and, and, and never complained. Um, uh, but okay. but my, my gut feel from, from what I gather, uh, what I've learned over the years is that it's a lot harder. Uh, I think the, the older you are, the sweet spot, I would say, um, when you put yourself in a completely new environment, either you do it very early in your life mm -hmm. where yes. the mind is still very elastic uh, and mm -hmm. you can assimilate faster, mm -hmm. uh, or you move much later in life where you don't give a shit and you're like, whatever, I, you know, it's like, I'm going to assimilate <laughs> the best I can and, uh, and here is me. And then there's this in between, which is the messy middle. Um, so yeah. I'm sure okay. she faced some challenges, but she's done phenomenally well for herself. What'd your folks do for, for a living? 
Uh, well, I mean, my dad is an engineer by training. Um, he is, I see. Okay. Transitioned into the world of sales uh, at some point in his life, and he continues to do that. Uh, really? But, really? Yeah. Really? What, was he selling software? Was he selling, uh, what was he selling? Yeah, selling software, R&D, um, but enterprise sales. That? Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Did he did he have a job when it was he retired when he moved over here or or did he landed a job when he came? Oh, he was working. Uh, he was okay. working for a company that had, you know, international operations. And then uh, they tasked him with setting up an office in the U.S. And so uh -huh. uh, um, or you know, establish a practice in the U.S., which is what catalyzed uh, the move on, on his. I end. see. I see. The, the, right. the little that I know about sales and what I enjoy about it uh, is has come from uh, watching my uh, watching my father. Uh, on so the his, uh, so your dad's communication and people skills pretty excellent, huh? I think everything that I know today, I'd have to credit him with uh, credit him with teaching me. So uh, I would I would say that they're very high. Very good. Is he so he's still alive, still healthy, still working? He's still healthy, still working. Uh, my sister is an engineer by training, also, um, and she uh, uh, continues to do technical work. Uh, my mom um, has taken on the most difficult task of raising uh, two kids. I was a very tough kid to raise. I was not easy at were all. You, were you? Were you? Okay. Well, just so, hard-headed, hard-headed, kind of rebellious or what? what talking kind about? Of, well, yeah. Kind, <laughs> kind of rebellious, uh, kind of rebellious. We would never listen uh, and uh, questioned, questioned a lot, caused, caused trouble uh, quite a bit. I remember growing up in India, one of the things that you'd, you'd get for being a bad student or you misbehave is you, you lose your access to sitting at a desk and the form of punishment as you sit on the floor and I remember oh. this Steve you can't make this up I spent pretty much the entire year on the floor I mean I was just I was incorrigible they could not pick <laughs> right away uh, so I had, I had a yeah so was, uh, that was that was uh, uh, were you now um in trouble partying and stuff too drugs alcohol out late skipping staying out all night you no, know, getting... it's a very conservative country i think it's, yeah. it's, it's slowly yeah. becoming the less conservative over the years but okay. you know, okay. when i was growing up there was there were no i was not even access to drugs or alcohol really really uh, really most you would do is skip classes um okay or okay. okay pass notes in classes and maybe you do poorly <laughs> on tests and you fail uh but that was okay. about it that was rebellious right or you go then Longer. Then you got then you got to college. You you went to school, the college in the U.S. And you're like, holy shit, this is a totally different world. <laughs> yeah, but by then I'd kind of grown up. You know, I I I I'd realized something something hit uh, when I when I moved here, um, and I quickly realized that I'd have to you know to some extent fend for myself. I knew that my parents weren't going to be there to bail me out, and uh, mm. and and, okay. and and I think I it was a flip of a switch, and I matured very quickly. Mm. Uh, almost overnight and i got my shit together and i didn't you know i didn't do any never were never was a wild guy no nope i've uh not all through college now no i mean i think uh i'm exploring uh a little bit more of the joys that come with freedom now much older in life but okay. the longest okay. time put my head down and just grinded man 10 years of so so are you super are you a religious guy super conservative like you can't you can't you know you don't i can't have a glass of wine with you or you're you're what, what are you I wouldn't call myself religious. I'm uh, quite the opposite of it. I, I think I'm agnostic. Uh, Are you? Okay. All right. I'm agnostic. Uh, very, very much questioning. Um, so, your parents uh, are okay with that, or are they super religious? What's their stance? They're they're religious. I would say that they're uh, they're religious, but they also uh, don't push that on me necessarily. Okay. Uh, I love participating in everything cultural. Uh, mm -hmm. My partner is 
Jewish and I participate in everything that's cultural. Food, sign me up. Holidays, sign me up. Now, heck, I'd even go, you know, I even go to a temple uh, for the cultural aspect of it. But do I truly believe that someone's out there, you know, waiting to punish me or there's not a higher, there's, there's not a higher, there's not a higher power that's going to punish you for skipping I, for pa for passing those notes in class. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't truly believe that. So, uh, so I wouldn't say that I'm religious. Um, I'm pretty agnostic. Okay. Uh, questioning i question a lot i think that that quality of mine is great what's, what's your vice now how do you really how do you how do you uh relax now do you have any kind of vices at all uh you know cigarettes cannabis wine drinks alcohol mushrooms what are you what are you doing <laughs> i've uh, i've i've learned to find joy in traveling um and and that's a luxury that i've come to realize i think I, being able to go where i want to go when i want to go um is a luxury and so i've taken a lot of comfort and experiences i've been very fortunate to be able to uh travel attend um you know concerts festivals go hiking what, what, kind, of, what kind of music are you into uh i have uh started to become quite fond of uh of electronic music uh over the past two years so i've become a big edm fan um really and, okay yeah, all right went through uh I, I injured myself coming out of the pandemic. I you know, foolishly decided to go to the gym and, and lift heavy weights because as soon as the gyms opened in New York, I was like, I got to go and drop these 20 pounds. <laughs> you, you, look, you look like you're in pretty good shape. What are you, are you, how are you tall guy? How tall are you? About 6'1", so a little over 6'1". Well, you look pretty, you look like you're in good shape. What do you weigh, like 165, 170, 175? 170, 170. Okay, yeah, you're in good shape. You're in good height shape. Of the, pandemic, the height of the pandemic, I was 205 pounds. 205. Okay. Very lots good. of baking at home, you know, lots of banana bread, lots of butter. Everyone was a home baker. I was one too. No gym. Wow. You've, uh, that's okay. Good for you. You've lost, you've lost a lot of weight since, since you went back to the gym. Yeah. I just, I turned vegan and it's been, uh, it's been what you're vegan. Vegan now. Well, okay. Now, so I won't blame I... you if you choose to, uh, choose to wrap this up right now. <laughs> so hold on. Now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So, but you weren't vegan before you became vegan after you, after the pandemic and you went back to the gym and you started losing weight. That's when you. No, there are different reasons. I was vegetarian. I've always been vegetarian for a long you've time. You've always been, you've always been vegetarian. For long, okay. Yes. For as long as I can remember. I'm sure when I was younger, I was, I ate some stuff. I remember I still have this like this. But when you were, you were in high school, you're vegetarian. Oh, absolutely. I'm vegetarian. I was vegetarian. Were your parents vegetarian? No, they're not. It was just me. <laughs> it's, 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 was your was your dad like what are you doing man what, what's going uh, on i don't force me you know indian, indian food is this is, is, is pretty forgiving for vegetarians especially south how, indian food. well how'd this happen how'd that happen the vegetarian thing what how'd you go there and i just think that i you know we moved to a city which you know is predominantly a, a apartment community that was mostly vegetarian my friends were vegetarian i see you know, and there's a lot of vegetarian indian food and so uh, oh I, never, I didn't know that I didn't yeah know that. i never ate it um as much and so i didn't develop a taste for it um, i see i see I stopped eating it nothing oh, wow so i've thought about it long and hard sometimes you know it's easier to get protein uh mm. by eating meat Stop. when did you when did you go vegan uh, vegan was more recent. Vegan was more recent. Um, I got a, uh, I just went to my annual physical and doctor. How'd you do? Yeah, how'd you do? Everything is great, but your cholesterol levels are a little high. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I, you know, <laughs> even at two, 
five, I, I wasn't, you know, overweight. It's normal. Yeah. Uh, slightly, you know, slightly healthy, but, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he was like, you don't have to do anything. You're still young. So I'm not going to prescribe statins or none of that. It's hot. How old are, how old are you? Uh, I was 35. You know, most guys over 50 years old, when I say most, the majority of men over 50 are on some sort of cholesterol pill. I'm sure. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> uh, given the diet. And so, you know, I said, all right, well, you know, and I was, I did some online research. I was like, you know what, let me try this. Let me try this plant-based diet and like cut out milk and cheese and eggs and anything that comes out of a plastic bag, really. Um, and so, wow. Wow. Uh, man, you know, the, one of the things about me is that when I, when I decide to make a change, I'm pretty committed about it. Uh, it's right. just part of my personality. So I don't, there's no if buts and half-ass measures. I go full in. And it's been quite good. I think my body's reacted to it well. Um, okay. I don't get headaches. I'm a lot, um, you know, I feel light on my feet. Um, I okay. eat healthy. I eat cleaner. And uh, my cholesterol, good. Dropped. yeah, <laughs> drop. It's better than it was ever, actually. All right. All right. Well, it must be working for you. You look good. Uh, and I you said... And- you know, and you, went, you went to school in Mass, right? In somewhere in Mass. Yeah, Western Mass. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's yeah, a yeah, small town right. about 40 miles west of uh, Boston. Any, um, I don't know if that, and I don't know, if, I don't know if racism is the right word, but any like, uh, anybody give you the cold shoulder because you were, you know, from a new country and kind oh, yeah, of broken English? Did, did, yeah, did you get sure. any? Did you? Got some, did you? Okay. Yeah, a lot. And I continue to, um, uh, to this really? day. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, and, and, Listen, there's two ways to, to deal with it. I, I have come to embrace, I could be wrong about this, that any microaggression or any passing of immediate judgment, uh, to me, I believe comes from a place of ignorance, ignorance comes from a place of fear. Um, and, you know, whatever, man, it's okay. I, I you know, could, could the world be a, a place that's different? Yes. But what are you going to do? You know, so as long as it's not overt and as long as I'm, you know, someone's not trying to come there, attack and punch me or right, 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 physical right, right, harm. Right, right, right. You know, but you're, you're not, I've never had any physical, no, nothing physical. No, no, it was never physical. I mean, okay, usually okay, it's, okay, it's okay, okay. words. Um, I remember, I think when I was in college, uh, a bunch of kids had created this Facebook group uh, entirely dedicated to mocking, uh, you know, the way I spoke or the way I dressed or for you, for you or for, or for kids from India no, for me, no, no, for me, specifically what? for me, what? Uh, I had come to learn about this and, you know, classic me, I, I confronted what? them. I was like, what, what is going on? This is, yeah. Well, what's, what, what do you, yeah. What's going on here, man? What, what are you doing? Well, I got scared. And they took it down. That's what happens when you confront people, they get worried. Uh, <laughs> and, and I've never been afraid of confrontation. I mean, I asked, I said, this is not cool. Uh, so yes, uh, I, it's, 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 it's been a part of, and I think that's the part of any immigrants identity here there is a little bit of that uh and it's okay. not me you know crying it's not me having a sob story or or seeking empathy or validation it's just harsh reality and a number of folks would look at me today and assume that i'm an engineer or assume that i'm a doctor or i you know do something else that they'd expect mm-hmm. me to do because of the way i look uh it yeah. still exists it's a microaggression it's okay uh could Let's we get better yeah. a doctor hey that's not a bad thing that's not a bad assumption doctor that's exactly what I hear people say. Okay, man. So um, did you know what you wanted to do early on? Did you have a, you know, what was, what was the plan? Kind of walk me into, you know, you get out of grad school. 
walk me into that early career and kind of what your plan was early on. Go for it. Who, who knows what they want to do, man? <laughs> it's, a, it's always a process of why do we, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? Why am I on this blue I, ball yeah, floating, floating around in black space? What is this, man? <laughs> uh, you know, and I, and I say that half jokingly, but some of it continues to be true. Um, I mean, listen, there is, let me answer the question in a different way. Um, right. Back then, uh, when I was, out of college when I was early on in my life, um, I set some bigger goal of, you know, I want to do something on my own. I want to build a business, right? It was all okay. task. -based. It was, okay. once I got out of um, undergrad, it was like, I need to do this industry certification. After that, I need to get a job. After that, I need to go to a good grad school. After that, I need to get a job that pays even more. Uh, but I had very task-based goals. It was after I do X, I need to do Y. After I do Y, I need to do Z. When, uh, all right, building the all business right. from the ground up was like the ultimate goal like that was as far as i could see back then um okay i still remember in undergrad there's a billboard uh there used to be one um and i posed for it as an ad as an ad for the for worcester state university and it said as grad wants to build his own business someday be a small business owner or something something to the like and so that was it uh was as far as i could see back then uh, all right uh, my goals now have changed. I think they've changed from being task-based to outcome-based, right? So what is it that gives me meaning and what is it that gives me joy? Um, and that could mean a variety of things. You could achieve them through tasks or you could achieve them through doing nothing by simply existing. And both of those are equally good choices. And so uh, now I feel like my goal in life is to, you know, leave some legacy, produce a little bit more than I consume, uh, and try to, you know, give back to others that don't have access to the same resources that I've had. Why? I don't know. It's just feels that what brings them joy is sitting at home and playing video games and mine better than theirs. I truly don't believe so. I think they're all equally good and equally bad. We're all trying to find meaning and we're all trying to find joy and right I now like what you i like what i like what you said produce more than you consume that's a good one i like that what but now at what point though did you decide to go to law school how did that fit in there well i mean back back then and so a couple of reasons uh one was i went to a small state school um that's right didn't right. have great brand recognition and no matter how well i did i always had this 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 ceiling where folks wouldn't take me seriously for certain jobs. And so I needed something else that wasn't that so that I could have a okay. meaningful shot at, at jobs. And so I, I knew I needed to go to graduate school simply okay. to, in hindsight, I don't believe any of that shit matters. Honestly, I could have found a ramp many, many years ago and been a donor or done something different. But back then, that's what I thought I needed to do. Uh, so that was step one. Step two was that... Um, I had and I continue to have public service aspirations. I don't know what that looks like. Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay. And, All right. and, uh, All right. and as an immigrant that didn't have a lot of context about functioning of society, the US government, history, uh, I felt that law school would be a good place for me to go to at least learn about the fundamentals, yes. be exposed to a set of values and ideals that wasn't in, you know, a part of me as I grew up, because I grew up in a different country. And so that was reason to. Uh, and reason three um, was that I was a little bit unfulfilled professionally. I felt like I've done what I could with the degree that I had uh, in the city that I was living. And I needed a new environment where 
I'd get challenged a little bit more. And so there was this professional dissatisfaction. So I lumped those three together and I was like, well, should I go to business school or should I go to law school or do both? Um, you know, I said, let's just go to law school. I feel like I'll learn something new business. I can learn by doing work. Uh, I see. Okay. Very okay. good. Very good. So you get out of law school, you go to work, work for Deloitte, I think first, before you enter your first, uh, uh, entrepreneurial thing. But before we go there, I want to jump back here to this public service thing. You still have aspirations for public service. You said still, I still do. I, uh, there's, there's one recent thing. I, uh, I decided to serve on, uh, the board of this co-op that we live. It's about 1500. Uh, That's a good place to start. Yeah, good place. Thousand, thousand units. Good and man, the amount start. of scrutiny was just <laughs> too much. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like, these people, I'm doing this stuff for free. I'm out here busting my ass off after work, trying to do all this. And I'm not even getting paid. And then on top of it, I show up at these meetings. You guys are yelling at me like, who is this shit? And, and then I looked at Carl and she was like, are you sure public service is still a goal? Because you can't handle this heat. Um, you know, are you sure you go, you're going to want to do more? Um, and so I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about, am I, do I, do I really want to do what the answer is yes. Am I ready for it? Uh, I don't think I am. I think okay. there's a lot more of reflection and learning that I need to do. Uh, but I still very much do have, um, have, have the same aspirations that I had many years ago. Okay, let me ask you, and, and one more question on this. I know we could do probably a whole entire episode on that, on this particular topic. What, what, what are your passions around public service to change or improve what particular areas are you super passionate about yep. talk to me because i'm sure there are a few things in under the umbrella there that you're you'd really be focused on what would those be yeah there are two there are two things that um that are deeply personal to me okay. uh, the first one being education um partly right. because uh, that has been what has opened doors for me in ways that nothing else has uh, it's leveled the playing field for me. It's equipped me to uh, believe that I can uh, be a functioning part of society and dream big. Uh, okay. and, and, and I think it's a great way to um, help mobilize and shape. You know, so we, so improve, improve it, make it free. What would you do with it? What are the big goals there? De uh, definitely make it accessible. Uh, free, I'm not too sure what that may look like because uh, there's no such thing as free. Someone's paying for it. <laughs> how do we how do we make that work uh so uh, accessible is a better accessible way okay at it. and right. improving it in that i think you know our k-12 through education system is very broken uh, they're tasked with shaping the minds of the future and yet they're paid pennies uh which is very difficult for them to live and work so how can you attract mm -hmm. um and how do you pay teachers fairly uh given the task that they have so how do we gotcha uh, improve kind of K through 12 education. So those are two oh. areas that I'm, um, you know, I'm pretty passionate about well, uh, from, from the education fund. The second was mental health, mental um, health. Very good. Yeah, that's a, another area that uh, has, continues to have a lot of stigma uh, surrounding it associated with it. I think we have so much focus on physical health, which is important. Um, and yet there's been, you know, such little uh, progress in studies and, and conversations to be had around, around mental health. And uh, why is that? Why is that? Uh, why is there stigma around mental health? What, why, is, why, why isn't there more focus on improving that? Why, why, why aren't we more focused? Because as 
I'm sure you're about to step into, if you improve mental health, you're improving the homeless situation, right? It's tied together, right? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, why isn't, why isn't there more of a focus on that? You know, I see, I uh, see I, some of the shit we focus on um, blows me away. Right. I mean, we're, you know, we talk about for, for months, we talk about Will, Will Smith slapping somebody at the award show. Meanwhile, California has got a major homeless problem. Uh, which, which is what we should be spending time on. <laughs> why, what is the deal with that? I don't understand. Why, why aren't we more focused on mental health? It, it is a major problem. It's tied deeply into the homeless situation. Yeah. Maybe there's just not enough money in it. I, I don't know. I don't know the, I don't have the answers either, but yeah, I do think but also mental health is a spectrum, right? I mean, on the far right, you'll find folks that, um, you know, have significant mental health challenges and they may need medication, they may need access to a lot of resources. And, and to the far left, you might have someone that, that you know uh, that's coping with anxiety and coping with depression. Yes. Clouds yes. their judgment yes. and the choices that they make. Um, yes, yes. I have multiple reasons why we don't talk about mental health. Uh, one being, uh, you know, I think there's, 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 there's been a lot of uh, stigma around uh, qualities, especially masculine qualities, uh, where... Mm it's uh, perceived as a sign of weakness. Um, yes, yeah. agreed. Uh, and there's, there's, there is true repercussions today. Um, we talk about this, I talk about this at work uh, myself. And so you know, put yourself uh, in, in the shoes of, I don't know, some founder, some business leader. And if they're perceived to be struggling with mental health issues. Oh man, yeah. The, oh, what? yeah. The, the immediate gut reaction is, can I trust this person? Uh, yeah. And yet the reality is a lot of folks do, man. I mean, it's not, uh, it's no different than having a cold. And sometimes it comes and goes and you know, mm -hmm. it's more acute, but it just has to be, um, you know, discussion and focus from very beginning when people are kids, teenagers. I feel like there's a lot of things that are just avoided, not, not, not uh, talked about. So that's another thing that I'm passionate about. Um, can make some progress there. Love it. Okay. I love it. And uh, I do think, uh, public service would be good for you just listening to your passion the way you speak the way you carry it the way you talk about it i think someday maybe it's in there for you uh but uh yeah it, um boy you gotta be just talking talking about take the heat i mean that's why nobody gets into it all these people all these very smart people with very good ideas that could make a difference you know, they go down and they join the local city council and they're like, holy fuck, this is like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I think it's, a, I, I'm sure it's a muscle that can be developed. I think, I think maybe, maybe I'm, uh, maybe my, maybe my ego is too fragile at this point, but I think <laughs> like, you know, uh, very good. Okay. All right. Let's get into, um, so what, you get out of law school, what happened? Deloitte recruits you or what happens there? Well, so I got out of law school and um, I graduated with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, okay. All right. I just wanted to make, I felt like I had something to prove to somebody. Um, All right. All right. TBD as to why I felt that way. And the only way that I could get there was getting the biggest check possible. How do I make the most money possible right out of law school? And right. two options, either you go work for a big law firm or you go work for an investment bank and yeah. made a little yeah. bit more money um working in banking and uh, man i don't know they were great people really smart um and yeah. if i could go back in time i'd probably do it again but god it wasn't for me um <laughs> i it's just not for me at all uh yeah 
I barely lasted there, but you know, that's, that's why I did it. I felt like I was prestigious, something to, you know, some prize that you get for going through three years of law school and <laughs> getting a fancy degree. I was like, where's my price? And I thought that was it. <laughs> Only to quickly realize there was no price. And then what happened? You and some buddies had started your first uh, venture. What happened? Uh, so I uh, was, uh, was, was pretty sick of, uh, sick of the, the, the choices that I made. Um, and, uh, and I, re I felt that I strayed too far away from what I wanted to do, which was build something from the ground up. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm not doing it. And so, yeah. Yeah. uh, I went on angel list and started finding, uh, very early stage companies, a founder that I could go tag myself to and, and learn. Um, and I saw this company called Yepay, um, and they had a job posting for an executive ass assistant, uh, which is one step above uh, a personal secretary. And so I applied to the job uh, and I sent an email to the founder and said, hey, man, listen, I, I see you're hiring an executive assistant. I believe I have the qualifications to do that job. Uh, however, I can do other, other stuff on top and you just pay me whatever you think you can pay me. Early stage company, you didn't raise any money, product doesn't, is not fully there. So... I'm here to learn. My goal is to build a business from the ground up. Um, that's what I want to do. Uh, I would like to come and, you know, work basically for what you can pay me and we'll figure stuff out. Uh, so I applied for the job. I did some work for him. I sent him a deck to demonstrate my interest and you know, put, put some fancy slides together. And as uh, Australian guy, Anthony, I still remember meeting him. One of the things that he said pretty early on is, um, you know, come work with me. I'll learn what you can. And then when you, um, decide to uh, build something from the ground up yourself as a founder, uh, I will be the first person to write a check, uh, which he did. Which wow. He did. Wow. Which he did. Wow. So, what uh, great story. But now he ended up making you a, a founder there. Uh, as I was a, part of the as founding a... team. I was the first employee there. So I was part of the founding team. I see. My How current co-founders uh, I met at Yepay. So Mitch was employee number two at Yepay, who uh, had also applied for that job. Uh, but ended up getting a sales role out of college. And so it was, uh, we met each other wow. there. Wow. Uh, and Danny is our third co-founder was, uh, uh, was an advisor to our business. We went through one of these accelerator programs in San Francisco. Um, and, uh, and they assigned, you know, Danny, who's our, my co-founder today as a mentor to our business. And I knew right away that these were two guys that I wanted to do something with at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, we work together, we're friends first, uh, and it's nice to be able to work with people that, Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. What an awesome story you. Okay. So for the listeners, this is a great tip, great advice for aspiring entrepreneurs goes on angel list, finds an early stage company that, that you're interested in, right? applies for something that you're overqualified for just to get the person's attention and get in the door and have a conversation told them like, look, Hey, I'll help. I just want to help. I'll take out the trash. I don't, whatever. Like I just want to be part of it. You don't even pay me what you can pay me. You get in the door, they end up making you a member of the founding team. You end up meeting good friends now, probably for life who help you go on to start ramped. I mean, that is, that is a, that is a great story. My friend, wonderful. A lot of Yepes investors are investors in this business. I've, that I mean, is so great. Of, yeah, why that not? Is, I think that is so great. I want to, okay, now. Linear. It doesn't have to be linear. Yeah, so good. So what happens? You and Danny and Mitch, what are you guys? You're, you're, you're having coffee and you're like, hey, how, how does Ramp, how, how does Ramp? We wanted to do something. We wanted to do something. We okay. wanted to build something the ground. Right. And so right. we, the classic, let's like throw some ideas around and, and then pick okay. something to work on. Uh, okay. 
there's a lots of things we could do, right? And so we tried to narrow it down. And again, instead of focusing on tasks, we looked around and said, let's focus on outcomes. What is it that we want? What's the framework? Three things. We wanted to work on something that would uh, make us feel like we're, 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 we're making an impact on the world, right? We needed that as, a, as an absolutely necessary quality, no matter what business we started. So that was the first one. The second thing is we wanted that to scale. We didn't want to build something that only touched the lives of a thousand, right? We wanted this to be something large scale uh, that could leave a big impact on many people, right? And so that was the second uh, you know, consideration. The last one was we wanted to do it with people that uh, we liked and enjoyed spending time with, right? And Critical. so those are, those are three boxes, right? So we then said, okay, what can we do? Uh, we can work, build a business around education, uh, we can add a layer of technology in order to scale uh, the level of impact, and we get to choose to work with the three of us and carefully curate uh, others that we bring into the business. And, uh, and awesome. that was how Ramp started, and you know, here we are. Very good. Rampedcareers.com for the listeners, just so everybody knows, rampedcareers.com. Give us the three-minute or whatever. Just give us the elevator pitch of Ramped as it is today. Go for it. Yeah, Ramp is a skills-based hiring platform. Uh, if you're a job seeker and you're early in your career uh, and you don't know what you want to do professionally and you want to find a job easier and faster, Ramp is a place for you to come, learn the skills you need in order to be successful at a job and find you know a great job very quickly. So that's Ramp uh, for you in a nutshell. Uh, when you say learn skills you need, what do you mean? Do you mean trade skills? Do you mean communication skills, planning? What, what do you mean? Both. So um, a lot of RAMP is uh, the trade skills. It's the functional skills that you are expected to know in order to succeed at the job. You mean uh, like you mean like being an electrician or what do you mean? No. So we focus on um, uh, not, 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 uh, uh, not those types of trades, but we focus on, you know, call these white collar early career roles in sales and customer service, operation, compliance, recruiting. Uh, those types of roles is what we focus on, right? So Let's say you want to pursue a career in sales. Okay, what are the five things you're expected to know as an entry-level sales rep? You need to know how to cold call. You need to know how to correspond with people via cold email. You need okay. to know how to handle basic objections because that's what you're going to get all the time. Uh, okay. You need to know how to use uh, some of the modern you know, tech sales so, stack. So sales, what'd you say? What else? Sales, the pathways that we have live today are sales, talent acquisition, uh, and we're building... Uh, our next career paths, but our goal is to open up about 50 of these. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Uh, so you teach people how to be a recruiter or, or how to, or how to open a recruiting firm on their own or both. Uh, no, just be a recruiter. Cause these are early career professionals, right? And so okay. uh, All right. the sweet spot for, uh, for ramp is if you are, you know, early on in your career, your career uh, switcher, those are the roles. The reason why we don't focus on very senior roles is it's because it's very difficult to teach those skills okay. through, a, through a digital first platform. I can't teach you how to be a successful entrepreneur mm -hmm. uh, digitally. That's something that comes with years of experience and time. However, mm -hmm. I can teach you how to be, you know, a entry level early career recruiter um, at a recruiting shop, recruiting coordinator. I can teach you how to do that job really well. And as a matter of fact, we do. You know, what's great about the recruiter training is if you, if you win, when you become big enough and well-known enough, which I'm sure you're on your way to, wouldn't it be awesome if guys like me who own a recruiting firm, if I could pluck trained recruiters 
all right, from Ramp that I know have your stamp of approval or certification or whatever badge, <laughs> and I know that they went through your your training, uh, and that was actually something that was recognized on their resume and on their LinkedIn profile, like hey, Ramp, Ramp approved or whatever. Wouldn't that be nice to have some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of way to recognize them because as you know, today, anybody can put recruiter on their LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and you, you know, you could be, uh, I don't know, a bus boy one day busting dishes. And the next day you can put executive recruiter on your LinkedIn profile, Absolutely. With no, you know, which is crazy. I see people do that all the time. So wouldn't it be great if you, if you could really build a program that, that, that uh, trained them and, and tagged them in a special way. I'm sure you've thought about that. You know, it's or it's a lucky day, Steve, because we could do that today. Uh, <laughs> and we could work. We, you could start looking at people as early as tomorrow. That is uh, absolutely wonderful. How do you get paid, my friend? What's the business model? Uh, so we monetize uh, on the employers. Uh, we pay an access fee. Very you'd spend money on you know any talent acquisition platform. So you pay a, you know an access fee, and you know you could pay it for six months. You could pay it for a year, but it's simple. Uh, it's affordable. And so it's access access to your candidates is a monthly fee. Is that is that the deal? Fee. Yeah. So there's two products we have. Um, one of them is access. You can pay access to um, to access our candidates, uh, or you can also pay. You know, you could also pay us for our product and 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 put it in front of your own candidates, right? And so let's oh. say that folks are applying, and I'm sure you get a lot of applicants. Oh, you yeah. could say, hey, listen, here is access to a platform. You can go demonstrate your skills, and I'm I'm gonna hire out of that, right? And so yeah. the second product. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay. And the candidates do not pay you. So you don't take money from candidates. No, we don't. No, no. Okay. And is it month to month? Do I do, do guys like me have to sign a six month contract? What's the, what's the uh, uh, service level agreement or whatever you're calling it contract? Uh, three, three months at the very minimum. Cause it does take uh, about three months for you to, you know, go through the platform, have conversations with someone. So three months is the base uh, base fee. And it's, it's, it's very affordable from, from our perspective, like roles in, in sales, roles in talent acquisition, recruiting are uh, so critical to top line growth for your business. These are revenue generating roles. And so the way we look at it is, you know, hey, listen, um, your complete time, attention and focus should be on getting the best possible person for this role. Because uh, as you know, attrition is quite horrible for mm -hmm. roles in sales and, 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 and talent acquisition. And, you know, you can see a 15, 20, 30, 40% improvement in the quality of your pipeline and these folks deliver and deliver better, better results around pays for itself in, in a week. Gotcha. Do you, do you charge differently if I pluck one person versus 10 or how does that work? We do. So it's based on the volume of uh, volume of hiring, right? And so if your okay. if your need is, uh, you know, we have employers that, you know, hire 3000 uh, early career professionals, right? Through ramp and pricing is different. If you're an enterprise, if you're a smaller company and your needs are, 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 are limited, then we price accordingly. Who's your target uh, customer? SMB, Fortune 500. What? What? Who are you targeting? What companies are you targeting? A recruiter that works for you know a small uh, executive recruiting shop or a small tech recruiting shop. Their job is no different than you know being an entry level recruiter at Amazon. The actual tasks required are the same. You have to go find candidates on you know using LinkedIn Recruiter. You got to build your pipeline. You got to nurture them. You can get, gather requirements from uh, from the hiring manager. So the, the job is the same, and so. Uh, you know, the only thing that we look for is, are you a business that's looking for this particular uh, type of hire? 
And are you in market for that hire now, right? Not someone that's passively looking, passively browsing. There's no value in the RAM platform. So, uh, you know, obviously um, what bigger companies have a, a larger hiring need. Uh, and so there's, you know, slightly larger checks there, but at the end of the day, uh, the need, needs a need, right? I mean, you could be a okay. CEO okay. at Salesforce and you still need lunch. It sounds like you and your co-founders did a little bootstrapping, but it sounds like you took some early, some early angel money there from some of the folk. Did you, I don't know how much you want to share, but for the aspiring entrepreneurs that, you know, want to get started, can you just chat a little bit about when did you take angel? Did you take seed? Did you bootstrap? How are you in a current raise? Give us yeah. a little overview if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. We raised a little over 3 million uh, since we launched the business and, nice. um, and, I mean, listen, you don't need to raise money. Um, there's different, many ways of building a business. And, and, and to us, uh, raising equity was just a lever, right? That will help us grow. Um, okay. You could do the same by taking a loan from a bank if possible. You can do the same by, by bootstrapping if possible. Um, you know, we needed to build a tech product that required engineering resources, that required mm -hmm. marketing mm -hmm. dollars. And, 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 and we have very grand plans about what RAMP can be, right? And so right. if you want to build a platform that, is going to be used by millions of people and you have to spend a bit of time, effort and money on R&D infrastructure. And so that's the route that we had to take. Uh, so if you're an entrepreneur and you believe that the market you're going after, the product that you need to build requires upfront investment of cash and capital um, that you simply can't get through any other source, then absolutely, maybe going the venture route is for you. But understand that with that also comes a bit of downside, right? You're giving away a piece of your business very early um, and, uh, and, and, you know, there's a price to pay, but you're hoping that over time, there's enough scale to what you're doing. Um, or you could be an entrepreneur and bootstrap a business from the ground up and do a phenomenal job. And that's okay as well, right? If you're trying to build a services business today, do you really need venture capital? I don't think so. You don't have to, you can just bust your ass off, uh, which we did early on. We bootstrapped it for, uh, for about, you know, seven, eight months. I was without a salary for a whole year. Uh, myself, mm, and we, you know, mm, mm. figured out whether there was something there uh, before we asked money. Right? One of the things that we want to do is, you know, be prudent with with capital that we have and, and treat it as a responsibility, not just blow other people's money. Right? That's not uh, what we're in the business of. So, uh, uh, so that's kind of been our story. It's been good. You know, very fortunate to have access to it. We could hire some folks that are smarter than us to help okay. us figure this stuff out. All right. And you said VC a couple of times, but you haven't taken VC money. You've just taken angel money or seed money. Oh, we've taken, we've taken VC money. Ah, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Are you and your buddies, uh, do you still have control of, uh, the, the units or, or the voting or now that you're, you're officially not in control of the cap table anymore? Can you share oh, that? Yeah. We are, we're in control of the cap table. We're, we're early enough still. Uh, uh, okay. All right. All right. All I mean, right. listen, uh, the, uh, good VC believes in founders and gives them, uh, a lot of autonomy to to build the business and run it um, uh, as they see fit, right? That's the hallmark of a good investor. We've been incredibly fortunate to have really, really thoughtful and nice and helpful investors. So we hope that as we continue to raise capital, uh, if and when the need arises, that we surround ourselves with more people like our current investors. Very good, my friend. Congratulations on raising $3 million. Just a couple more questions here. How big is the company today? If you don't want to share revenue, can you share a number of employees maybe? Yeah, we've got about um, 12 people um, okay. today and, and uh, you know, or every day is, uh, is testing, experimenting, growing and learning something new. Burning cash or profitable month to month or are you still scaling and burning? 
Um, I'd say we're, we're in the scaling and burning stage uh, okay. right now. And okay. again, a lot of a lot of spend is, is so that you know we can have a product. And, and yeah, we, I get you know. it. You're you're a SaaS product. I mean, you're a SaaS product. I mean, I totally yeah, I get it. Okay, switching gears. I want to switch over here to some uh, outside the lines. A couple of questions here. We got just a few minutes. CEO, I noticed in the news of the last few days, when I say news, I guess LinkedIn, because, you know, as a recruiting firm, as a recruiter, as an executive recruiter, and a guy who owns a recruiting firm, I have to live on LinkedIn, right? Like it or not. <laughs> By the way, can you be a competitor to LinkedIn so we, they can get some competition? Jesus, man, they could, they control the market. I mean, somebody's got to, somebody's got to do something. <laughs> Any, we, we, we would love to. Um, uh, man, yeah. uh, you know. Or ways out, but uh, but we have we do have our eye on, uh, on you know offering something. Somebody needs to do some. Somebody needs to do something. They just have too much control. But anyway, what was my point? Oh, but on LinkedIn, because of this new uh, Roe versus Wade thing that happened with the Supreme Court, it's all. I see a lot of companies and CEOs taking this topic with like they have done many other hot topics over the last three years it seems like every time there's a new hot button some companies or ceos decide to pick a side um you know we're gonna pick purple or we're gonna pick yellow okay you know and then we're gonna fight about it and we're gonna scream at the other side uh that happens a lot over the last couple of years and now we have a new hot topic that's all over and i see companies taking sides and speaking out my question for you is without necessarily uh, pressuring you into answering what your side is, my, my, my real question is, what do you think about companies doing that? What do you think about companies taking a side on a hot topic or a CEO putting out a statement on a hot topic like that? What are your thoughts there? I mean, listen, my, my belief has and continues to remain that companies are nothing but a collection of people. Um, and that, that is what a company is. It's a, yes, it's an artificial entity, but in reality, it is a group of people and um, people have values, people have emotions, people, uh, uh, people want to uh, make choices one way or another. And so the notion that just because it's a company, uh, you know, you can somehow alienate yourself, remove yourself from um, most human constructs is just untrue. Uh, so that's 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 my baseline um, baseline view on it. Now the second thing is, as a leader of a business, um, should you take a, a position on something that you believe is uh, meaningful and representative of uh, the group of individuals that you're a part of? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, because at the end of the day, it's just a, it is a group of people, and these decisions impact. Um, set group of folks, right? And so uh, I do think that there is certainly a space for, uh, for CEOs to, to speak out and have uh, an opinion one way or another. Um, I believe it needs to be thoughtful. Uh, one of the things that you know, we are doing internally ourselves is to put some thought to it. Uh, it's very easy to just make a statement and not yeah. act yeah. on it. Anyone can yeah. do that. Um, yeah. But I do think yeah. it's important to put some thought into it and, um, and Take a pulse. Take a poll. See, um, see how your unit or the group of people that you're working with today um, feel. What's important to them, um, and then okay. make a leadership decision that is 
in line with it. Uh, my personal view, I mean, I'm happy to share my personal view. I've always been pretty vocal about it. Um, you know, I do believe that the decision is an infringement on reproductive rights. Um, that, that is my personal view, right? And mm-hmm. many ways that you can, uh, you can argue whether it's right or wrong, but at the end of the day, it's a, uh, it's, 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 it's a viewpoint of mine and something that I truly believe in, uh, truly believe in. Uh, but as a leader, you just have to, you know, look around and take a pulse okay. and figure out what does your unit want and how, how does your unit feel? Good point. I think the biggest struggle that uh, CEOs have is, I mean, Hey, if you have, if you have an, if you have a hundred employees, you can almost bet that any hot topic that comes up, it's, it's sure. probably, it's probably 50, 50, I mean, probably 50 people will want purple, 50 people want yellow. And so then the CEOs, CEOs of course, struggle because if they pick a side, then, you know, they're pissing off half of their, half of their employees. So it's a, it's a tough one, you know, uh, yeah, but but you, don't, you don't pick a side, you're, you're, that, that is, you are picking a side, but not picking a side. Uh, when you really think about it, <laughs> it's down. ask yourself. Yeah. The ones yeah, that are quiet point. about this whole situation, you kind of know what their position is. It's true. I mean, it, ah. whether you like it or not, that silence is picking a side. And, and, and that is... That but, isn't be, that, but, isn't, but isn't that making some assumptions, though? Just it is. Quiet. The assumption is you don't care about the issue at all. Oh, so don't care. Ah. Uh, I see. I see. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Silence. Silence is the equivalent of me being agnostic. It's the same thing, right? It's like, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, so that's what it is. Gotcha. Last question. I know we're out of time. Thank you very much for, by the way, great, great stuff. Great stuff, Manoush. Really great stuff. Um, last question. If you had to put your core purpose in life into a sentence right now, what, what would that sound like? I've told you produce more than I can consume. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. I'm taking, I'm stealing that, man. I'm stealing that. <laughs> you go to bed, ask yourself, what did I do? Was I a parasite or did I give more? And then oh. the answer to that puts me to bed. I love it, my friend. That is so good right there. All right, my friend, thank you very much for being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Sounds good, Steve. So nice talking to you.